Interact helps Canadians access funds their way. Products like Interact Debit and Interact eTransfer have made Money Mobile taking it from the confines of traditional banking and ushering it into the digital age. As consumers adapt to new technology, so does Interact. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quality Content on the 2020 Network presented by Interact. I'm your host, Alex Patterson. It has almost been one year since Canadian broadcast icon Rick Mercer signed off from his celebrated comedy show, The Mercer Report. And in that time, Rick has been busy. He's released and promoted his latest book, Final Report. He's spoken at events across the country, boosted charities and social causes he's long been passionate about, and even occasionally weighed in on the state of Canadian politics. But if you're like me, you probably miss having Rick on your TV set every week. A lot of Canadians, I suspect, feel a special kind of attachment to Rick and his unique brand of comedy. That trademark acerbic wit paired with his eternal optimism made viewers feel a little closer to the best version of Canada. Indeed, Rick has been a staple of Canadian public life since 1992, when he helped launch This Hour Has 22 Minutes, and his list of credits and awards and achievements ever since is both lengthy and well-deserved. And as such, this coming April, Rick will be honored at the Governor General Performing Arts Awards with a Lifetime Achievement Award for excellence in broadcasting. And so today on the show, Rick helped me kick off the first in a series of interviews I will be doing with some of this year's GG recipients, which will be airing between now and April 27th. Rick and I talked about his career, what he misses most about his old day job, and the excitement he shares for Canada's comedy scene, and even its politics. I think you'll enjoy it. And joining me on the line from Toronto, it's Rick Mercer. Rick, hi. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. And I'm very excited to be talking to you uh, today. I'm excited to be on the line with you. It's, so the, the reason that you were all on the line yes. is that you are receiving an award. You uh, are going to be receiving the Lifetime Artistic Achievement Award uh, at this year's Governor General Performing Arts Awards. Um, I know. And uh, so first off, congratulations. Thank you very much. I think lots of people join me. And that congrats to you because I think they miss you. Uh, it's it's been a bit since you've been on the on the air. Uh, you've been on the book tour circuit, um, but I think I wouldn't be remiss in asking, like, what have you been up to these days? Well, it's uh, it's been a really interesting period of time. I obviously I had the book and I did go out on a book tour, and I've had books in the past, but I've never been able to uh, go out and support a book because I was always doing the TV show. And the book tour was great because it allowed me to go out and just meet folks, which was fantastic, and uh, and and spend some time with people who were obviously fans of the show and were familiar with the show, and that was a really uh, that was a really rewarding experience. The book did well enough that they want uh, they want new material for for the paperback, which is the next step in the book world. So I'm I'm writing that, and I'm on the road. Um, you know, I have a, an act that I do mm-hmm. in theaters or at, uh, you know, functions and stuff. And so I'm on the road doing that. And uh, recently I've been doing a lot of things that I never had the chance to do. Like I'm, I'm doing open mic nights, which I've never done in my entire life. You're doing, uh, you're doing open mic nights. That's fascinating. That's, that's well, incredible. Because, 
you know, I've, I've dabbled in stand-up in my life, but I was on tel- I, did, I came from theater doing one-man shows. So obviously, I'm, I consider myself a, a first cousin or a second cousin of stand-up comedians. And uh, even though I've stood there and told jokes before, uh, but I want to kind of uh, uh, explore more traditional stand-up, I guess. I don't even know if that's a term. So yeah, I've been, I've been kind of what comedians say, working out. So that's interesting. And, uh, and writing different things. You know, the, the Mercer Report was a great, it, you know, I never complained once. It was the best job in the world, but it was all-encompassing. So if I ever had an idea or a notion to do anything else, I couldn't. I could barely go to lunch, let alone entertain the notion of working with someone else on a screenplay or, or on another idea of any sort. So uh, I, I now have the time to do that, and I enjoy it. There's not a lot I can talk about because I've never liked being one of those people who, you know, says, I'm working on a novel. And then 10 years later, you're like, well, where's the novel, dude? Uh, I've only ever really talked about anything I've done until uh, it's, it's ready to be seen or produced or whatever. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, there's not a lot I can say, but it's been a really interesting creative period. I've, I've had a good time. And so are you putting our listeners on notice that you may pop up at a local open night might, should they be at one? <laughs> no. Next? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, no, I don't really know. It's kind of like, it's, I'm working with this fellow, Greg Eckler, who, who's a great stand-up comedian, but also a great comedy writer. And he worked with me on the Mercer Report for the last 10 years, easy or more. And, uh, and he's kind of like uh, you know the uh, the the coach in the original Rocky movie. Right. I'm like, okay, right. make me a stand up. And he's like, okay, the first thing we got to do is <laughs> an open mic night. There's only going to be nine people in the audience. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be humiliating. But you got to do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let's go. <laughs> and so, I I mean, I I find that incredibly fascinating because I think, like you said, it was very very clear to watchers of of your shows and the various iterations of how much work and how much care went into every single episode. And it's I and. And that comes from a place of, I actually don't think a lot of people usually think about production value and how much goes into things, but it was very apparent of how much you cared for the Mercer Report and, um, and various shows before that. You know, in, in watching your show, um, it, it did one of the best jobs at walking that really fine line between cynicism and optimism. So you'd be ranting about the latest federal scandal in between being at a sort of a sunny tractor pull in like, you know, rural New Brunswick. So I got to ask you, like, now that you're outside of the confines of that show, how are you feeling? Are you feeling a little bit more optimistic or a little bit more cynical about sort of the state of our sort of public life and public affairs in Canada? I think it's, uh, well, there's two speeds. Obviously, if you live inside the bubble of Ottawa, if you, whether just as an observer, like someone who consumes question period on a daily basis, it's really easy to be a glass half empty person. And I think that has always been the case. Um, That said, when you step outside, you realize things aren't as cynical and things aren't as bad as you sometimes are led to believe. um, If you follow what's happening in politics, you know, to the extent that I probably did, which is a bit more than most people, because it was my job. Um, But I generally feel good. I, you know, politicians, it's like, you know, politicians don't create jobs and politicians don't set the agenda and politicians don't set the mood of the, of the country. And I think by and large, you know, things are good. Um, I could also talk about the flip side and, uh, 
you know what what makes me pessimistic about the country as well. Pessimistic guy. I think I think any problems we have can be solved. Any problems we have can be worked through. That said, there's some pretty big problems. So if that's the case, and I don't disagree with you, what's your media diet like then? Because I know for myself, without you on the air, I feel like there's a bit of a gap in that genre of commentary, analysis, and satire. Well, this is this is this is a tricky question because I always felt, and maybe I realize this in hindsight now, but one of the great things uh, for me personally about doing the show was that I had a broad audience, and we had a substantial audience. Now it's really hard to find a substantial audience on network television now. Uh, if you look at the numbers that I had, say, eight years ago, they're, they're astronomical compared to what shows are getting today. That's not because my show is better. That's just because the audience is becoming so, uh, you know, they're, they're just not, everyone's not tuning into the same thing. But one of the great luxuries of doing a rant or doing a commentary when you have a large audience is you know that there's people from a broad spectrum of opinions and uh, uh, different ideologies listening to you, which is great because I think more and more now, everyone who's in my business, the opinion business, they're in an echo chamber. They're talking to people who probably already agree with them to begin with, and they've made the decision to, to watch you because they agree with you. And they don't get any feedback ever from anyone who's like, well, right. I, didn't, yeah. I don't think that because people are just kind of cherry picking their, their, their content to reflect back the views they already have, if that makes any sense. No, it makes, it makes total sense. And I almost wonder, if not that I'm asking you to start from scratch and get back into the ring, but if you were to you know, start a show like yours or an endeavor like yours today, um, you know, in the social media environment that we're in, in the sort of that fragmented, um, you know, media delivery mechanism that we sort of deal with, like the sort of the breaking mm-hmm. up of the monoculture, um, where would you start? Like what, what are sort of the foundational pieces that you would need to install in order to make sure that, um, you're producing a quality product? Well, I would, well, it would always start with the writing. So I would always do whatever, no matter what kind of, show I was creating, I would always want to work with people that I think are phenomenal writers. I think it, it all starts there. Um, and I would look for a variety of opinions. I'm old-fashioned, so whatever project that I think about, I always think about uh, you know, in a very analog way. I think, oh, I'll do a TV show. Now, if you talk to a 20-year-old today, they probably, you know, that would be 10th on their list because they wouldn't even think of that as a format. But I'm still of an era where I go, it will be a network television show and it will be on the CTV or on the CBC. And uh, I, I mean, I guess someone else would, the new generation will do it on their iPhone and somehow find an audience. I, 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 think, that, I think that you're right. I, I think we often tend to over... Uh, estimate the the delivery mechanism's role. I think it's good to sort of go back to like fundamentals. So, like you said, good writing, uh, surrounding yourself with good people. Is there anything? Um, is there anything that you would pass along to sort of that next generation of people who are content creators, regardless of how they're producing it? Well, I would think my my the, the advice that I give to any uh, young person or any person, I guess, who wants to get in the business of creating content uh, is to start creating content. It's amazing how many people consider themselves content creators, but they actually don't create content. They're just sitting around waiting 
for someone to give them the resources or the permission or whatever to create content. But, you know, practice makes perfect. That may be like an old adage, but if you want to create content as a writer, you have to write nonstop. And you have to, and if you want to create content as a, you know, someone who's doing opinion-based commentary, then you have to do that nonstop. And uh, not a lot of people do that. I mean, how many people create the platform and then it disappears? Like whatever show they're creating, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a blog or whether it's whatever type of content they're creating, it just starts to wither and disappear. And what started out as daily then becomes once a week and then becomes once a month and then eventually just disappears. I, I mean, I can tell you from our experience here building the 2020 network, it's, it, it is a grind. You actually have a, to, yeah. you have to show up to every single day. All yeah. the time. Um, so I'm going to read a list of um, awards and achievements that you have very rightfully uh, been fed no. with. Uh, yes, I'm doing this. No, I'm, don't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I think... <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say though that it is it's it's incredibly impressive. You're a member of the Order of Canada. You've got the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. I could go on and on and on, but you are being given the the Governor General's Performing Arts Awards, as I said, for you know your lifetime artistic achievement. Um, first off, what does this particular award mean to you? Well, it's obviously incredibly flattering. It also comes as a shock, and I think that anyone in my situation, it, it probably should come as a shock, because I feel like I started yesterday. Obviously, I didn't. I've got 25, 26 years of work under my belt, but it still does seem like yesterday. So, so when you think that way, it comes as a shock that uh, someone suggests that you have a body of work that should be honored in by saying lifetime achievement. Obviously, I also think, oh, well, hopefully I'm just halfway through. I'd like right. to do another 50. But, but yeah, I'm obviously incredibly flattered. Um, it, is, it is shocking, but not as shocking as if, say, I was 35. That would be really weird, and you'd think, okay, it's totally rigged. So I'm just at that point, I guess, in my life where I think, yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm close to getting the, the discount at Shoppers Drug Mart. I guess <laughs> that this could happen, <laughs> that I would get a Lifetime Achievement Award in any field. <laughs> and, 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 and instead of like, you know, presenting, you know, a, a card, you actually bring the award with you. I think that's how those discounts that's how work. You, that's yes. how it works. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so, so, but you're obviously very humble. You're, you're very un uncomfortable with me bringing up like other awards and, and, um, for, well, it's not I that I'm humble. It's just not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a I, damning I was, indictment! I didn't say no to any of them. I mean, like, <laughs> come on, let's not be let's not be hasty. What a damning indictment of my question list. <laughs> um, well, okay, so, I mean. I think then sort of looking forward, so as, assuming that um, this is this is not the cap on the career, but a very nice sort of step along the way. Um, oh, it could be the cap. I mean, it could, there could be nothing after this. <laughs> you know, there could be. Could be seven people in a room. <laughs> I highly doubt that. But I mean, as you reflect on your career in broadcasting and comedy, sure. I wonder what you make of the state of Canadian comedy today. There's great Canadian comedy right now. The Baroness von Sketch Show is brilliant. I mean, they're brilliant, and they're going to be recognized all over the world because we live in a time now that if you produce your show in Canada, it just doesn't live in Canada. It does cross borders, and 
you know, I never really worked in a in a form of comedy that crossed borders because so much of my material was topical and also, um, you know, about uniquely Canadian events that you would have to be living in Canada and paying attention to Canada in order to understand. But, you know, most comedy is not like that. And uh, most comedy minds universal experiences. And if you look at Baroness show, that's, that's an incredible show. That's, that's going to be alive forever. The legacy is going to be tremendous. It's going to be as big as anything that ever came out of Canada, I think, in the long term. And I think they're brilliant. So, and I think there's lots of stuff like that. Like if you look at Schitt's Creek, that's uh, another example of what a, a story you know, that is. Like what a yeah. what an incredible force that show is. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's it makes me so excited and proud of of well the public broadcaster, but comedy in general. When I see because you know Emily Hampshire, who's on that show, was on a show that I did called Made in Canada years ago. So Emily's a friend of mine, and I follow her on, on Instagram along with. I don't know, a million other people. But, uh, you know, they they're, they go and do Schitt's Creek Live, and they're doing, you know, selling out big theaters all across America. It's very exciting, but it's a homegrown product. It's, so, so, you know, the, the state of comedy is alive and well. I think a lot of this generation of comedians, the younger generation, aren't as interested in doing uh, comedy about uh, politics that perhaps I was, but that's okay, too. You know, I think that that stuff happens in, in peaks and valleys, and... Uh, that's all right too. So I want to end with a, a question that I'm assuming you get a lot um, when people see you on the streets or at events, um, which is, uh, you know, what do you want to rant about these days? And um, oh, I don't stop ranting. I'm constantly <laughs> ranting. If you were if you were in my house like an hour ago, you would have heard a great one. Well, then There's, then, then grab grab a selfie stick and, no, and an iPhone. Let's. let's <laughs> I know. I know. This this is exactly. If I was 20, that's what I would do. And I'm not saying that I can't do it, but uh, you're absolutely right. So I have to buy a selfie stick, you're saying. That's, I think if, <laughs> if I could leave you, um, the Governor General Performing Art Award Lifetime Achievement winner, Rick Mercer, with a bit of advice is, yeah, get a selfie stick. I feel great about that advice. <laughs> Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do. Where would I get this selfie stick? Uh, I like li- literally. I think just it's- walk out front and ask someone for one, and and you'll you'll probably okay. be fine. Um, I want to thank you for taking some time to chat with me today. It, it really means a lot that um, you're willing to engage with sort of Canadian creators and uh, and people in the thought uh, sort of thought forming space. So I, I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks very much. Congratulations again on on your award. And um, are are we going to be seeing you again soon? We've got the paperback uh, edition coming out. Um, is there anything just on the horizon that uh, that we can expect? Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Unfortunately, nothing that I, I can really talk about. But uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a busy year. That's good. Well, Rick, thank you so much. Congratulations again on the award. And uh, we'll, we'll, we will be hopefully hearing from you and seeing you soon. Okay, thanks very much. Quality content is hosted by me, Alex Patterson. And my producer today was Sarah Turnbull. The 2020 Network is presented by Interact and is a production of Canada 2020, Canada's leading independent progressive think tank. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps more curious and engaged listeners like yourselves find us. As well, if you'd like to give us some feedback on how we're doing, what you like, what you don't like, new episodes or guest ideas, we're listening. You can follow me at Alex G. Patterson on Twitter or send us an email at info at Canada2020.ca. 
Now, a few organizational announcements. First and foremost, Canada 2020 has launched a new initiative called No Second Chances, where we take a look at the rise and fall of Canada's 12 female first ministers. That's right, there have only ever been 12 in Canada's history. The Project Centerpiece is a new limited podcast series, and the second episode is out today. So go subscribe to No Second Chances, catch up if you haven't heard the first episode, and send us your feedback. It's a truly special project for us and an important conversation for 2019. Next, if you are in Ottawa on April 30th, Canada 2020 will be hosting the North American book launch event for the Art of Diplomacy, strengthening the Canada-US relationship in times of uncertainty. That's the new political memoir from Bruce and Vicki Heyman. Bruce served as U.S. Ambassador to Canada during the Obama administration and has been a guest on quality content before. We're excited to have them back, so grab your tickets at Canada2020.ca. Finally, my weekly reminder for you to subscribe to the Canada 2020 mailing list. We have a few special events and projects coming up where I guarantee you will want to be first in the know. So go to Canada2020.ca and make sure you're signed up. All right, that's it for me. Until next time. Fast, safe, and reliable, Interact eTransfer is one of the best ways to send, request, and receive money. In fact, Canadians use the service to complete 371 million transactions in 2018 alone. That's nearly 11 times the population of Canada. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca.